Let me see you put them up Reach the sky, touch the stars up above Cause it's one time for the underdog I'm Patrick Bedevi, host of ITM, and today I'm going to talk to you about 10 ways to make millions. So a couple of days ago, I was at Las Vegas at the Venetian, spending some time with other CEOs, about 60, 70 CEOs from the insurance and the financial industry, and we were talking about different kind of things, cybersecurity, preparation, opportunity, and one of the topics came up was how are you preparing yourself for the next market crash? And so this person, well, you know, I think it's going to go for another couple more years and I'm trying to capitalize it because we're making so much money right now. This other person saying this. So it sparked a whole different conversation. And then for me, I went back and I remembered a few different conversations. One of them I'll share with you. It was a drive up to Lake Arrowhead to someone's house. We had a session in 0506 that reminded me exactly what took place with myself and another entrepreneur, the decision-making process during that time that led to things changing 13, 14, 15 years later. But before I share that story with you, I wanna first share six time periods with you that will give you an idea about when the next market crash should be taking place. Okay, so here's what we have. These are six of the longest economic expansions we've ever had in the last 118 years in the US since 1900. Here's what we're looking at. Number six is 74 months. The US housing bubble, it went from November of 2001, lasted till December of 2007. By the way, I remember this date vividly. I went to the biggest mortgage shop in San Fernando Valley off of Canoga, right off the 101 freeway. It was a 30,000 square foot company, uh, office. I know the name. They shut down November of 2007 a month before this took place because everybody saw what was going on with Nina, you know, pick a, pick a payment, mortgage, all this other stuff. I remember this vividly. Watch this, World War II, 81 months. It went from June of 1938 to February of 1945. Next, 93 months, Reaganomics, Cold War. It went from November of 1982 to July of 1990. Vietnam, 108 months is what it lasted. February of 61 to December of 1969, the second longest, second longest ever in the last 118 years is the current one, 115 months. It's gone from June of 09 till today. And then obviously number one is a tech bubble from March 1991, lasted till March of 01, 122 months. So we got 115 months we're going right now. This is like 115 months of you constantly growing your business. Eventually, something happens. Historically, we have a crisis that happens every five years, but we have a massive crisis that happens about every decade. And then every 20 years, something pretty wild happens that impacts thousands of people's lives. So now what typically happens during these times? You gotta realize as the market is expanding the way it has during these times, we get greedy, we get soft, we lose our edge, right? Now if you're an entrepreneur, you're watching this, and you're saying, Pat, I don't really get it, what's this gotta do with anything? Billions, if not trillions, are made post post these timelines, not just during. A lot of people make money and you know, ride this wave, but the people that make a lot of money do it post. I'll give you a perfect idea. This happens March of 01. Six months later, I got into the financial industry with Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. Nobody wanted to get into stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. That's when I got in. This happened with the housing bubble, December of 07. 16, 17 months later, I go and negotiate a big contract with one of the largest insurance companies in the world at a time where nobody was doing it and everybody called us crazy. 
But these are the opportunities. Now, obviously, a lot of money's been made. So having said that, let's talk about the 10 points. How do you make millions during these times? Number one, you got to monetize fear. Let me explain to what I mean by monetize fear. Monetize fear is not just you. You have to sit there and ask yourself, when this happens in my industry as an entrepreneur, how can I monetize fear on everybody and what kind of fear they're going to have? For example, how are my clients going to be afraid? How can I monetize that? and help them out. How are my partners gonna be afraid? How can I monetize that and help them out? How are my competitors gonna be afraid? How can I monetize that? How are my vendors are gonna be afraid? How can I monetize that? Every one of the fears, when it comes down to this, you gotta monetize. Now some people say, did I hear this guy say monetize fear? Yes, of course, you monetize fear. That's what you do during business. You become the solution for it. Point number two, you exploit the unprepared. Now, some people say, Pat, that word exploit, I don't like that word exploit. Isn't that a negative word? By the way, they use it in sports all the time. Don't they say, you just saw such and such exploit their defense, exploit their lack of offense, exploit their lack of pitching, exploit their lack of pitch, hitting, exploit their lack of coaching, exploit whatever the weakness the opponent has. When this happens, you got to exploit the cocky because every industry has the cocky. And what happens when the market goes up, people show up later, people get more casual, people get more comfortable, people get more confident, people get more cocky, and this is a perfect time to prepare yourself for. Now, here's what you got to realize. If you knew for a fact the market crash is going to happen next six months, it's 115 months, it's 122 months. If you knew exactly in your industry this is going to happen next seven months, how would you be prepared for it? Have you thought about it? That's the whole idea about exploiting the unprepared who are cocky. Assume none of your competitors are going to watch this video. Assume not everyone's going to sit and watch this video, but you are watching this video. How can you take advantage of that opportunity for yourself? Number three, deliver comfort. Let me explain what I mean by deliver comfort. When crisis happens, this is when heroes are born. This is when you can bring comfort to a client, to an investor, to a competitor, to an employee, to a salesperson, to a vendor, to so many different people by delivering comfort, delivering security, delivering a safety net. When this takes place, you deliver comfort. So I ask the question, in my industry, huh, what do I do? I'm in the gas business, I'm in this business, I'm in real estate business, stuff. how can I deliver security to X, Y, and Z? You saw a lot of banks that were saying, Look, because of what took place with 9-11 or because of what's taking place with the mortgage crisis, we will go ahead and forgive your mortgage payment for 90 days. They delivered comfort during a time like this. And some other companies who weren't delivering comfort, guess what happened to them? What a cold company. Come to us. We'll deliver comfort because we'll forgive your payment for three months because we know what it is to go through tough times. That delivering comfort gets loyal customers. Number four, network like Jerry Maguire. Let me explain what I mean by this. If you've seen the movie Jerry Maguire, the famous line, you know, show me the money with Cuba Gooden Jr. And the story is about Jerry Maguire being a sports agent. And he's working for a big agency and he writes this big report in the middle of the night and he sends it and he goes to work the next day. He's afraid like everyone's going to look at him like he's funny. So eventually he gets fired. Everybody takes his clients. Then there's a scene where Jerry is trying to say, this business is about relationships. And he takes it back on wanting to be having a relationship with his clients. Then he realizes everyone's coming back because his opponent looked at everybody as a dollar amount of renewing contract. And there's a famous scene 
where the client, one of the players, is with his agent that was all about the money. He sees the celebration of Jerry Maguire and Cuban Gooding Jr. in the scene, and this guy says, how come we don't hug? The agent goes to hug him, he elbows him like this. Hey, get off me, right? That is a perfect example of a time like this when this takes place. This is when you go and meet with every single one of your clients. You go shake their hands, you go sit down and talk to them. How you doing? A lot of times, a lot of times, when a market crash takes place, people are afraid of the phone calls. People are afraid to pick up the phone calls. People don't want to talk to the clients. They're afraid that the clients are upset. Of course they're upset. Of course they're afraid. Of course they're panicking. But it's the perfect time for you to go network like Jerry Maguire and get those relationships to be stronger. Saying, listen, John, this wasn't easy to pick up the call. I know this is a difficult time, but I want you to know something. We're going to go through this together here. Let me share with you what I'm thinking about. Here's what I have in mind and what we're doing with the rest of our clients. And you walk through it. That doesn't mean they're going to be happy with everything that's taking place. It just means they realize you're in the trenches with them. Cannot tell you how much this helps you create loyalty with your clients as well. All right, next one, point number five, double down on your message. Let me explain to you what I mean by this. Whatever your cause is for your company or your business, your small business, whatever you do, double down on telling that message over and over again. You may need to adjust your story slightly accordingly to the market crash, but double down on your message. Here's what we do for families. Here's what we do as a company. This is what we stand for. This is our history. This is what we're doing long term. This is our vision. Vision. Double down on your message nonstop because it keeps everybody on your team focused on the bigger picture rather than all the small stuff that's taking place on a daily basis. Number six, cut the fat before the crash. Let me explain to you what I mean by cut the fat before the crash. You have time to cut the fat. Listen, your brain, say you got two brains. Here's your brain, here's somebody else's brain. Your brain during the crash is trying to handle 42 different issues in your mind because you didn't cut the fat. Your opponent's brain has only nine issues to worry about. Have you ever sat in a meeting with an employee, with a customer, with a job interview, with anybody, and you're speaking to them, and that person's talking to you, and for like seven minutes, you're not in the room. You're thinking about how you're going to fix your mortgage. You're thinking about how you're going to handle that payment you're going to make. You're thinking about how you're going to help out financially with all the problems you're facing financially. You're not present in that moment. Another person who is present in the moment of that appointment they're going to outdo you because they cut the fat before the crash that took place. I'll give you a perfect story. One day, I'm driving up. I'm coming up in the industry. I'm probably making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year at this time. I think it's like 06, you know, and we're going up in this Escalade, and we're going to Lake Arrowhead. It's myself, and everybody in this car is ahead of me. I'm like the fifth guy in the car. There's a guy sitting to my left. There's a guy sitting over here. Latino guy, African-American guy, and another guy sitting over here, okay? We're driving up. The guy sitting over here in the front is the number one guy in the car. He's got a couple million dollars in a bank account. He's telling his mentor, hey, I'm thinking about buying this house. It's a $4 million house. I want to build it up. It's in Glendora Hills. It's a beautiful home. I want to build this place up, and it's so exciting, and he starts telling all this stuff. He asks his mentor, what do you think I should do? His mentor doesn't give him any advice. He asks his number one competitor, guy sitting to my left, what do you think he should do? He says to him, he says, you know what, you, you've been working very hard. I mean, all this hard work you've been putting into this business, I think you should go out and buy your house. What is the whole purpose of making all this money? Go build this house, go do all this other stuff. You deserve it, you should get it. And he's like, oh, okay, that's how I feel, I should get it. Then he, his mentor says, 
Patrick, what do you think he should do? And I said, it's probably the biggest mistake you'll make in your career. And he says, why is that? I said, do you realize the amount of momentum you have in your business right now is something none of us have ever seen before. You have so much momentum. You're making two, three, four hundred thousand dollars per month. And you want to take time away from this momentum to build a house? Think about if you go three more years with this momentum. You can buy 10 of those homes, but you focus on this house. I don't think it's a good decision. I think it's a mistake. You know who he ends up listening to? He ends up listening to this guy. Do you know what ends up happening? He builds the house. Beautiful house. Beautiful home. Gorgeous home. We went to the house. Beautiful property. Post that event, the entire focus has been to make sure he doesn't lose that house. Now imagine, say the focus was in a different place. You drove momentum. You could have grown your business. When the market crash came, the mortgage crisis came, he was affected. How many things do you think was on his mind? You think he was thinking about, how am I going to save this house? I put a million and a half dollars down payment on this house. This house, I had to do this, I had to do that. So he may have saved his $2 million house. Fast forward 10 years later, maybe he's worth $5 million, maybe $3 million. And a lot of people who focus on expanding their business and cut the fat, they're worth a few hundred million dollars. What's the difference? Cut the fat before the market crash. Do not let fat consume your brain because it's so draining when you're trying to save yourself from losing everything and you're hanging on to things. You're hanging on to things. That is a draining place to be versus I'm playing loose, I'm good, I'm tight, I'm lean, I'm playing offense, I'm going to be good to go. Number seven, team up with aligned players. Team up with somebody else that's aligned with your vision, meaning say you're a competitor, you're going up and you say, oh, you know what, I like this guy, we're thinking the same way, let's run together. During a market crash, teaming up with the right person doubles and accelerates your speed. If you team up with the right person, during a market crash, you strengthen each other. It doesn't just become twice the strength, it becomes three, four times the strength because it's compounding two of the ideas together. That person strengths your strength. So find a good aligned partner to team up with to accelerate your speed during a market crash. Number eight, double down on positive distractions. Listen, we hear a lot of things about distractions. Distractions, don't be distracted, don't be distracted, don't be distracted. I love to be distracted, except I like positive distractions. When people say distractions, they're talking about negative distractions. During a market crash, your family's distracted. Your employees are distracted. Your vendors are distracted. Your partners are distracted. Your staff is distracted. Everybody's distracted and worried. Give situations to create positive distractions. Take them to a park, go bowling, take them to movies, go do a game. Bring the fun, exciting aspect to it. Let's do something together, let's go on. Bring positive distractions to the people you're running with so their brain is not consumed by all the negative distractions from the outside. It keeps morale high, and if it keeps morale high, eventually when the market crash goes by, everybody forgot about all the negativities, you've overcome it, and you're winning, dominating your marketplace, whatever industry you're part of. And last but not least, number nine, I told you 10, but I'll give you number nine. Equip your team with all possible audibles. Let me explain to you what I mean. Have a meeting with your team, almost like a football coach, and create a playbook. If this happens with the market, we'll do this. If this happens here, we do this. If that happens, we'll do these three things. If that happens, we can do this. If this happens, we do this. What about this happens? We do this. And talk amongst each other and allow your main executive, salespeople, leaders to bring up whatever that could possibly happen and identify audibles. Hey, what do you think we need to be doing if we do this? I would do this. I would do that. I would do this. I would call this person. I would talk to that person. I would team up with this person. I would do that. All the audibles. So the more audibles you have laid out amongst everybody, when this comes, 
no one's worried. Thanks everybody for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star, write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bidavid. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care everybody. Bye-bye.